Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Cindy. Well, as we come to this text, remember we're in the context of Jesus addressing motives. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, Jesus said this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So he's addressing heart issues. And we've already studied as we've been in this gospel that Jesus was addressing heart heart attitudes towards giving, heart attitudes uh, in, in regards to praying. And now he talks about heart attitudes in regards to fasting. And though we're going to address that today, uh, we... We need to see in the text, in verse 16, it says, and when you fast. The expectation is that we will fast as believers. And though Jesus is really getting at the the heart matter, because that was the concern in the first century, often in the West where we live, the issue isn't that we are, are disfiguring our faces so that we can get praise from men or women because we're fasting and we want to look spiritual, oftentimes the challenge that we face because we have so much in abundance is that we don't fast at all. So this morning, as we open up this text, I'm going to kind of give a general overview of fasting. Like, what is fasting? How do we do fasting? What are the motives behind fasting? And then we're going to be addressing in the midst of there like what Jesus was getting at because what Jesus was getting at was a a huge deal in their day and it can be a huge deal in our day but some of the challenges that we face is often that we we don't fast or it's not a category but I think we will discover as we study God's word this morning as we rethink fasting that fasting is not just a a pious practice of self-denial It's not something that we do to get acceptance from God or from other people. Fasting is a discipline that helps us to redirect our hearts towards Christ and his kingdom. So even though you're kind of like, man, I'm just aware I didn't eat breakfast this morning and I wish he wasn't talking about fasting, maybe let that direct your heart towards God as we study his word. Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we don't have to wander around in the dark, wondering what it is you have called us to do. But I thank you, God, that you've revealed yourself and you've revealed yourself to us through the coming of your Son. I pray, Lord, as we study your word this morning, that you'd open the eyes of our hearts 
uh, so that we could have a greater intimacy with you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we are going to, I'm going to talk about what fasting is and then why, why is it that we should fast? What are the motives behind fasting? And, and then lastly, talk about how. What are some, how do we fast? Like maybe some practical things if you've never fasted before. Now, when I kind of put this together initially, I, I did point two was how we should do it, and then point three, why we should do it. Uh, so I switched those around. So when you see point three come up before point two, it's not Chris's fault. It's actually my fault. So just, just so you know that ahead of time. So what is fasting? So just a bit of a historical background, like biblical historical background. Where do we see fasting in the Bible? Well, God commanded the nation of Israel to fast like annually. There was a big fast that the people of God were called to once a year. Now, there were certainly times where they fasted for other reasons. Maybe it was mourning over sin. Maybe it was to seek God's face. There were, there were some different times, but those were kind of led by the leadership. There was really just that time when they were commanded to fast. But then fast forward into the New Testament, and the Pharisees were, were requiring fasting twice a week. So God's word didn't require fasting twice a week, but the Pharisees kind of said to be spiritual, we need to fast twice a week. And they liked to fast in front of other people so that they could be seen and just kind of moan and wail so that others could see that they were super spiritual. But it wasn't actually commanded of God to be doing that. And even when we look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus didn't explicitly teach on fasting, didn't say you must fast this often, this much, but it's undeniable that he taught about fasting indirectly. If we look at Matthew 9, verses 14 to 15, Jesus says, then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So the disciples weren't fasting with Jesus when he was there, but yet there was a longing that happened in their hearts after Jesus left, and there was the expectation that they were going to fast, and even Jesus saying, and when you fast, so there's this expectation. He led by example. We learn from Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, before his ministry, he went into the wilderness you remember, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he was tempted by Satan. So he gained spiritual strength by fasting. And we don't have to, you know, we don't, the church, we could go into kind of the history early in the church, Acts 13, Acts 14, before Paul and Barnabas were sent out, when Paul and Barnabas uh, commissioned uh, elders, there, there was times of fasting throughout church history. We could spend, you know, a number of, hours talking about where we see fasting when in church history, when, when needs arose or new difficulties or problems came, uh, the saints of old spent times in fasting and prayer. So we can see from, from Scripture that fasting is a practice. So what, what is it? Here's the definition, fasting. Fasting is the deliberate, temporary abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. That's what it is in Scripture. Now, there's other ways we can fast. We're going to talk about that, but it's talking about abstaining from food. There's kind of three categories of abstaining from food that we see in Scripture. One is a, a total fast, 
Like what Moses did on Mount Sinai, which like no food, no water for 40 days. Uh, not the way that I would recommend fasting, but for him, that, that's what he did. Uh, or there's just regular fasting, which is abstaining from food, but not abstaining from water. Or there's a, like a partial fast, like when someone limits their diet, like Daniel, when he just ate vegetables for 10 days, as we learned about when we studied the book of Daniel. But there's other things we can talk about, like fasting your cell phone or electronics usage, and those can be super helpful. I recommend them. But so that's fasting, deliberately abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. But before talking even more about what fasting is and how we do it and why we do it, what, I, want, I want to address what fasting is not. So fasting is not a spiritual badge. If, if we fast, when we fast, it doesn't make us a more holier Christian or a more godly Christian. It's not something that we do to get approval from God or approval from men. Pagans will fast to get approval from their gods, but we as Christians don't fast to get approval from God. We have approval from God because of what Jesus has done. That's how we know God loved us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have that approval if we've trusted in Christ. We're not more spiritual if we fast a particular number of meals or a particular number of days. Fasting is a means to direct our hearts towards Christ's kingdom. Fasting is also not transactional. It's not just like, okay, if I do it, I might get a big payout. Like, I'm, it's like a slot machine. If I fast, it's like putting that in there and I'm pulling the dial. Come on, baby, we're gonna get something. It's not, okay, I've not been getting this thing. I've been praying to the Lord. I've not been getting this thing. <gasps> fasting, I haven't been doing fasting. That's it. I fast, I'm going to get what I want from God. Now, there's, there's certainly a place, and we'll talk about that when we seek the Lord, we seek his hand in fasting, but it's not just merely a transactional. Uh, because we can sometimes look at stories from saints of old. We see a church that had an all-night prayer meeting, and all of a sudden, revival broke out. Well, oh, that must mean we must have to have an all-night prayer meeting. Because if we have an all-night prayer meeting, then revival will break out. Friends, unfortunately, I've encountered a number of churches that have lots of revival meetings and nothing happens. They call them revival meetings. It's not about an action. We're not trying to manipulate God. We are trying to seek his face. Because it says at the end of verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Because this passage comes right after the Lord's Prayer that begins with directing our hearts to God. The blessing we receive is from God. And when we pray, God conforms our hearts to his will and his kingdom. So fasting is not just transactional. Fasting is, is not, it's not essentially spiritual. Just because you fast doesn't mean it's a spiritual exercise. The secular health world believes in fasting. Some of you may have done this. You don't eat so that you can cleanse your body of various toxins and so forth. And even describing the physical experience of fasting isn't innately spiritual because even, even someone who doesn't know Jesus 
can say, you know, after fasting for four days, I started to think clearly. Not that as a Christian, if you start to think clearly after four days of fasting, that that's not a spiritual experience. But we just have to know, just doing fasting doesn't mean that you're spiritual because you don't have to be a Christian to fast. But fasting is a means to an end. It's not the end in and of itself. It's a means to an end to direct our hearts towards God for greater intimacy with God. Why should we fast? And there's any number of reasons why, why we should fast or why we can fast, what would motivate us to fast. I'm just going to talk about five of them. And one of them, and the big one, is this, for greater intimacy with God. Fasting is never meant to be mechanical. It's meant to help us to engage with our Heavenly Father. So fasting and prayer go together. We should have prayer along with fasting. Again, pagans deprive themselves to appease their gods. We aren't doing it to appease God. We fast to remind ourselves we, we need to orient ourselves towards God, towards Christ and his kingdom. So when Jesus is talking about fasting, he's talking about engaging with God. And that doesn't mean you have to pray all day. That doesn't mean you have to stop all your normal activities. But fasting does allow us to create space to spend time with God. Now, and there is a reality. For those of us who live in the West, we, we probably have to create space in our calendars when we fast. Because I don't know about you, there's plenty of times that when I eat, I'm, I'm working. Like, I'm at my desk working, and I'm shoveling in what's, what's going on for lunch. So I can easily go, I can easily stop eating, but that doesn't really mean I'm going to engage with the Lord. Now, maybe if you're in a context like our brothers and sisters in Liberia, or maybe our brothers and sisters in the first century, where it took all day to prepare a meal. You know, in Liberia, they've gotta, they're going to eat cassava. They've got to cut it down in the morning. They've got to soak it. And after it's soaked, then they mash it. Once they mash it, then they turn it into, a, you know, something that they can eat, and it takes all day. So if they choose to not eat, not prepare their food, they, they, they open up their schedule big time. So we want to make sure that we, we are engaging with God when we are fasting because fasting is hungering and thirsting for the things of God. According to John Piper, we fast to nourish our hunger for God and to reduce our hunger for the world. When we fast, our bodies grow weak. Our bodies grow weak and they remind us that we don't live for bread alone. When we fast, we declare, Lord, you are my strength. Jesus doesn't say, again, that fasting earns us a reward from God. No, God grants a reward because he sees that we are seeking him. And oftentimes that reward is we, we get God. We get intimacy with God. When our heart's right in fasting, we love him more. And we love the world less. Fasting helps us to seek his kingdom and reminds us we're not living for this world. So fasting, as if it's the motivated to seek God, it, it helps give us greater intimacy with God. Secondly, we, a motivation to fast is to 
humble ourselves before God, to express dependence upon God, to give ourselves over to the reign of God. It's a, it's a tangible way for us to stop and give ourselves over to the reign of God. Sometimes that's to also to express sorrow over sin as we humble ourselves before God. And our appetite for God can awaken when we put aside food. Jesus told us in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Some of us might need to be intentional to just mourn over the brokenness in our own life so that as we are taking that extra time, we can experience the forgiveness that comes through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and we can experience just reconciliation with God and greater intimacy with God as we humble ourselves before God. Because I can tell you that when you fast, you, you will begin to rationalize the things that come out of your heart, the anger and impatience. You will begin to rationalize all of those things. But the reality is when we humble ourselves before God in fasting, it, it reveals our hearts. I know the, the, the term hangry has become one to laugh about and be popular with, and not that we should never use it. I've used the word. Sounds funny but you're really not hangry. Uh, God is revealing what's going on in here, what's going on in your heart. And so when we don't eat, what, what's in here comes out. And so sometimes we're like, I don't want what's in there to come out, so I'm going to eat. But sometimes what we need to is to say, no, that, that needs to come out because God in his mercy, is conforming me to the image of his son. And I want to be more like him. So I want that to come out so I can repent of it and grow. Because fasting can reveal our hearts as we humble ourselves before God. Another motivation is, is to seek God's hand. Fast to seek God's hand. Though I think it's right for us when we think about prayer, we think about fasting, we want to start with seeking God's face before we seek his hand. But we absolutely should seek his hand. I mean, that's what the psalmists do time and again. And uh, other prayers that you see in Scripture, they're, they're seeking God's hand. We, we, we need help. We need deliverance. And sometimes we need to remove the distractions and even the distraction of food uh, because we need to seek God, to ask him to work. Again, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. What was the fruit of that? God, God prepared him for the temptations that the enemy would come. God prepared him for the ministry that he was going to take and, and help him to set the tone that his life would be one of dependence in prayer throughout his ministry and his life. And so that's what fasting can do for us. Sometimes fasting, we're seeking the Lord to deliver us from sin. If you find yourself in a, in a place of a struggle in a particular area, consider fasting. Consider fasting to seek God's face. Ask him to reveal your heart. Ask him for help. If there's somebody in your life that you're burdened about, consider fasting for them. 
Maybe there's someone in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a spouse. I'm going to let you in on something that that probably is not going to be shocking. You can't change the heart of another person. So if you're married, you can't change your spouse. As much as you want to try to, you can't. You can't change your kids. can't change your teacher. But you know who can? God can. God can. And when we fast, God not only can open the door to see change in their life, maybe the thing that needs to happen is change in you. Change in your heart. Change in you so that you can more, more fully be the aroma of Christ to God to that individual in your life. So let's seek God's hand as we fast, knowing that it's not like putting money in a slot machine, knowing that it doesn't assure that we're going to get what we want. But I can assure you, you will be praying more, God, not my will, but yours be done. You will be praying more in line with what Jesus teaches us in <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer. Fifthly, we, we can pray to simply exercise self-control. Because we're not animals. I mean, I know your science teacher will say, well, you're in the animal kingdom and all, all that stuff. No, but you, we aren't to be given over. We aren't to be slaves to our appetites. And there is a reality that we can be, particularly in the place where we are, where we have an abundance of everything. Our fasting shows that we're hungry for more than just food. Jesus even quoted after fasting for 40 days, he quoted Deuteronomy 8, which says, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. John Piper said, sometimes the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but mindless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not about the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. So it may not even be limited to just food, but it could be other things that we say, you know what, for a season, I'm going to give that up because I want to just, I want to hit the reset button. I want to hit the reset button and direct my heart towards Christ and his kingdom. But specifically when it comes to food, food can be an idol. And I say that because it's been an idol in my life. I wouldn't have wanted to acknowledge it I had even fasted, I think before that became a realization. I'd been married probably a good 10 years or so, uh, but even in college, the first time I fasted, I didn't really acknowledge the fact of how much of an idol it was. I mean, all kinds of stuff came out of my heart when I had to give up just one meal. I know there's some of you who, who could miss breakfast and lunch, and you don't really notice that you haven't eaten until like the headache sets in at seven at night. I, I have no idea what that is. Like, I know I haven't eaten by nine in the morning. Sometimes earlier. So it's become an idol in my life. 
And I've had to ask questions and say, God, help me to see. And what are some of the questions I've asked? So this is just personal experience. What are some of the questions I've asked so that food doesn't, isn't an idol in my life? Because it's something I have to continue to battle with. Because here's the reality. You need to eat food, right? I can't just like set this thing on the table and never touch it. I, I actually do need to eat food. You do have to stop fasting at some point. But how do I help keep it in the right place? I ask this question. And you could ask this question in regards to anything you think is, is an idol in your heart, not just food. Am I doing this thing or am I eating to find peace? Eating to medicate ourselves, whether it's anger or depression or loneliness. You can go to the fridge. Now, I am not trying to heap condemnation on the person who got that pint of their favorite ice cream, and now the empty container is in the bottom of your trash can. That is not why I'm making that point. But are we regularly trying to find peace? We, we do enjoy things that God gives. Are we trying to find our peace in food? Are we trying to find our food, uh, are trying to find our joy and meeting in food? We are supposed to enjoy food. We are supposed to enjoy the things that God gives us. It's supposed to be pleasurable. God's amazing that we don't just have like one kind of pepper, but there's all kinds of peppers, hot ones, sweet ones, all kinds of stuff. It's awesome, the things that God has made. It, it speaks to his glory, but it should point us to his glory and not to our satisfaction in those things. The problem comes when we eat to Rather, when we live to eat rather than eat to live. And there was definitely a season in my life where I lived to eat. And that temptation can still be there for me. So it's just about, you know, what I'm, we just need to be aware of that. And you don't have to be in a culture where we have abundance to have food be an idol. I've definitely seen it in context as I've traveled to Africa and traveled to Mexico, food can still be an idol if you don't have food. It's about your heart. It's not about your waistline. It's about your heart. And it's about you addressing you, not looking at someone else. You can't tell someone from the outside if they're struggling with that because everyone's made differently. We, we're to address ourselves. So sometimes we fast to exercise self-control, to help curb the appetites and point us to the appetite that we should have, an appetite of, of one that's longing for Christ's return. And really, that's the most important one, fasting, because we're longing for Jesus to return. Remember, we read about the disciple, what Jesus said about the disciples uh, fasting when he was going to be gone. They didn't fast when Jesus was present, and Jesus said they're going to fast when he's gone. Why were they going to fast when Jesus left and not when he was there? Because they, Jesus wasn't there, and they were longing for him to be there. And so we fast because we know, like, this is not the most satisfying meal. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. And when we eat from his table, we'll never grow hungry. When we drink from his well, we never grow thirsty. 
Because Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So if you are longing, if you are here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ, there's longings in your heart. You can satisfy that longing by simply trusting in him because he went to the cross to forgive you for your sins. And if you have trusted in Christ, you can live in the good of that because Jesus points us in, in, in Revelation. John writes, and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. That's the promise. That's the meal that we need to be longing for most. The marriage supper of the Lamb. When Jesus returns and changes everything, when he establishes his rule and his reign. I believe there's going to be food there. He's going to prepare a table for us. But when Jesus is there, we're going to be like, we want to be with Jesus. Food's going to have its rightful place. So that's the meal that we long for. So in light of those different motivations, if, if you've never fasted before, coming to this text was never meant for you to feel condemnation. Because whether we fast or we don't fast, that's not, that's not what's most important. It's, it's about our hearts. Jesus, Jesus wants us to to have our hearts directed towards his kingdom in every area of life, and so he's speaking to that. Again, you're not more spiritual of a Christian if you fast. If you've fasted regularly in your Christian life before now or if you've never fasted at all, do you know why you're accepted? You're accepted because of what Jesus has done. But what does that look like if we're to fast? If Jesus says, and when you fast... Well, it should be secretly. Look at back at the text. We're coming back to what Jesus was particularly addressing. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they will receive their reward. Even in hearing this, we aren't to go, okay, I'm going to fast. And uh, I'm going to make sure my small, I'm going to fast on small group day so that when I come and I don't eat snacks, they go, hey, why don't you try this? No, I cannot have some snacks, for I am fasting. That's not the point. I'm, I'm more apt to be like, I'm breaking the fast. <laughs> That's not the point. We're not to fast before others. We're not to fast for the prayer. You're not to fast because this message was preached. You fast before the Lord. Be done in secret. It's not about self-exhortation. We're not to be a poser when it comes to fasting. But the text goes on and says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. So, you know, shave, take a shower. Don't draw attention to yourself during that time. Brush your teeth. I can guarantee if if you fast, within a day or two, you're going to have some of the nastiest breath that's there, and people are going to know something's up. But, don't, but, but also in saying that, don't make an overemphasis on, i got to make sure no one knows. 
like you're going to lose your reward if someone knows. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, don't do it for them. He doesn't say if they find out, yeah, forget it. Yep, you fasted for 39 days, but someone found out on day 39, so forget it. That's not the point. Sometimes it's really helpful to tell others about it, or if, if it just pops up, you, you let them know, but you just don't draw attention to yourself. I mean, this can be practical. Happened to me first year I was married. I was learning about fasting, got up one morning, felt like I should fast that particular day, which was a huge deal for me, and so I fasted, and then I called my wife before I left to come home to say I was coming home because we didn't have cell phones. We had these things that were like attached to the wall. I called and, and told her, and she was like, oh, I've, uh, you know, I've made this special meal. I was like, oh, honey, I... I'm fasting today, thinking, well, she's just going to understand because, you know, I'm being spiritual fasting. And I get home, and my wife had made this really great meal. She made this taco salad that we still, like, eat in our family because it's just so good. And she, she, like, made, like, those tortillas where, you like, you fry them up and you make a little special bowl. And so she had gone to all this, and I realized I could push my super spiritual rally right now but genuinely, I could break this fast just to bless my wife. In that moment, I wasn't breaking the fast because I just wanted to eat so much, but I realized, you know what? It's not about fasting. But now, if I feel led to fast, I, I try to tell my wife at the beginning of the day so it doesn't happen to be like the, the night she makes steak or something like that, right? So it's just, it's, it's okay to let people know. It's, it's okay if others find out that you are fasting. The point is not that people should never find out. The point is, who are you fasting for? Are you fasting to direct your heart towards God, or are you fasting so that others will see you? Now, sometimes, even though we talk about it being in secret, there are times that corporate fasts happen. We see that in the New Testament, where, and there may be times as elders where we're going to feel led to, uh, to call the church to fast. We don't have something on the books like right now. I didn't preach this just so that we could like, okay, we learned about fasting, so all this week no one gets to eat. That's not the point. But there, there will be times where we'll be like, yeah, let's fast together as a church as we seek God's face for what he wants us to do. So, so, so there, people are going to find out about fasting if we're all going to be fasting because ultimately when we go to fast, we're to be submitted to the Spirit. We don't fast because it's a rule. We fast because we're led by God's Spirit to do so. It's not an obligation. It's not an obligation. Again, if you don't ever fast, you're not lesser of a Christian. But I think it's helpful for us to just wrestle with. Jesus did say, when you fast, not if you fast. He did, he did say his disciples would fast. So I think it's good to ask the question, Lord, because Jesus said his disciples would fast. When do you want me to fast? What do you want me to fast? How long do you want me to fast? How frequently do you want me to fast? Because we know he's called us to pray that his will would be done. John Wesley wisely observed, he said, some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. So there's a tension, because there's not an obligation to, but it, but it seems that fasting is a regular 
some kind of regular part of the Christian life. And I use the word regular very generally because it's not necessarily going to be the same for everyone because there are practical things to fasting. Like, so what does it practically look like? If I'm going to fast, I've been stirred about some of these motivations, I wonder what, it, what, what practically does that look like? I've never done that before. Well, for some of us, the first thing we need to do, we, just, we need to fast wisely. You, you might need to just talk to your doctor. It's just a wise thing. Hey, I'm considering doing this. Now, if you're in good health, generally, you probably could do it without talking to your doctor, but it's, it's probably wise to ask the question. And then, you know, maybe start by giving up a meal, a meal that you were intending to eat, not one that you don't eat any, you know, you non-breakfast eaters, you know, it's a hard issue, you know, if you're setting aside time to pray, if you never eat breakfast, I don't know if you call that fasting, but you can, but really, like, what's the sacrifice you're making? Direct your heart toward God. Start with a meal. Start with two meals. Maybe try fasting a whole day. Jesus said in Matthew 26, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's, it's going to be hard if you've never done it before. Because those I've talked to who, who are regular fasters, it, it doesn't get like easier. It's not like, oh, if I do it this number of times, I just really don't care about food anymore. No, it doesn't happen that way. But just start, start with a meal. Start with two. And be creative if, it, if it's something. Because some of us can't fast food. I just, a woman's pregnant. She should be eating. It's a good, there's, there's other things. Other people have different medical conditions. They, keep, they have to, but maybe there's, there's something you, maybe you can just eat plain bread. Maybe you can just eat rice for a week. Maybe you just eat vegetables like Daniel did. There's, there's any number of things. Or maybe it's fasting electronics. I try to do that once a year. And it's always a challenge. It's just as hard anymore for me to fast electronics as it is to fast food. It, it, it is. It's because we're, we're so addicted to those things. Maybe, maybe it's giving up coffee or chocolate. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, now. Okay, now, I can give up food, but I don't know about coffee or chocolate. But chocolate's food, right? No, there's there's. Be creative. One commentator said, we could fast from any physical blessing that threatens to become our first love. But even in sharing all of those particulars, it's not about the method or the frequency. It's about seeking the face of God. It's about seeking the face of God. So even before you fast, take a step and seek the face of God and ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Because whether you're fasting or eating, our hearts are to point to Christ. Every meal is to point us to Christ because every meal we eat is a provision from his hand. So if eating should point us to Christ, fasting should point us to Christ. Fasting should point us to him as the source of all good things. I just want to leave you with a quote from theologian Daniel Doriani. He said this, before he died, Jesus promised his disciples that he would eat with them again. That meal, which comes at the end of time, is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. In heaven, there will be no more hunger and no more of the cravings that we battle. 
but there will be feasting in the presence of Christ. For then our strongest hunger will be satisfied by the Lord himself. So then, let us fast from time to time as the Lord leads. Take time to pray about an important matter. Remind yourself that he is your strength. Teach yourself to long for larger and more lasting pleasures for the feast where the Lord Jesus is host. Let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you for your word, and I, I pray that we would, would rightly hold this practice, that it wouldn't become a new idol, it wouldn't become the new Christian thing for us to do, but yet, Lord, would you use it as a means for us to encounter you more deeply, to encounter you more richly. Lord, I pray that you would meet the longings of the hearts that are here. I know of so many, and there's many I don't know. And I know those longings can only be satisfied by Christ. So, Lord, lead us. Spirit, lead us to know when it's right, when it's appropriate, when it can be helpful for us to deny ourselves, and even, Lord, when you lead us not to for whatever reason. Ultimately, Lord, direct our hearts towards Christ's kingdom. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.